Good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of you, not just to the moms, but especially to the moms in the room. Um, and we are grateful for each of you um, mothers. I was thinking this week a lot of my own mom and then my wife, uh, the mother of our children, just how valuable mothers are in giving us a picture of what God is like and what his love is like in ways that we really can't see in quite the same way in any other human relationship. I was thinking of just the fact of giving birth, giving life to us uh, as, as young infants of, or if you adopted or fostered, that's an even step beyond of welcoming a little one into your family who used to not be and who, who you used to not know. Uh, the way that mothers feed us and care for us and uh, nurture us through childhood and into adolescence and into even adulthood. We sometimes make foolish decisions and have to patiently love on us and uh, care for us. But thank you to each of you who are moms. Uh, if you forgot it's Mother's Day, you, said you can plan a little bit while I'm preaching, but don't zone out too much of what you might be able to do for your mom uh, or your wife uh, if she's a mother uh, this, this afternoon to say thank you. But, uh, so the cinnamon rolls and whatnot are just a small way to say thanks. That does like little to no justice to the task and the, the, the uh, privilege it is for us to see uh, you loving others well and loving us well. Um, but I was also thinking, I wanted to acknowledge this before we jump into God's word together, that I know Mother's Day is difficult for many of you as well for different reasons. Some of you may have lost your mom this year in recent years. Uh, some of you may look back even on recent past or long ago and there's dysfunction and hurt and abandonment, things like that uh, with your mother. And then others of you, you long to be a mother and God has withheld that. God has, has not allowed that to become a part of your life as of yet. And for those of you who are in those boats, I just want to, to let you know I've been praying for you and will continue to and encourage us as, as, their, as your friends to be sensitive and caring for you today and, and trust that God will give you grace to grieve, if that's what you need to do with the loss of a mother, uh, that God would give you grace to forgive if there's been hurt or there's been uh, brokenness in your relationship, and that God would give you grace to trust uh, if he's withheld motherhood from you. Um, but I trust that God will meet you even this morning uh, and through this day. Um, but but uh, I want us to open God's word together. I think we picked this passage this morning on purpose, uh, this particular parable. Uh, it doesn't talk explicitly about moms, but it definitely has the spirit of motherhood behind it and what being a mother is all about. So you can turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, this is a, a familiar story to most of you. I'm sure it's called the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, and we're going to look at that together this morning. Uh, but while you're finding it, I wanted to tell you a little story uh, that I was remembering this week as I was thinking about this shepherd who goes and finds the lost sheep. And I will acknowledge this story may have some not intentionally fabricated details, but it may be embellished a little bit because I was five when it took place, and I don't remember exactly. It's one of those like fuzzy childhood memories you think you remember right. Um, and I, I checked some, de I fact checked a little bit with my mom on this and my brother uh, to make sure I was at least in the right vicinity and, the, and not just totally making something up myself. But when I was about five years old, I, and I have an identical twin. Uh, he does not live around here, side note, so if you see me around town, it is me. But uh, I have a five, we were five years old, uh, me and my brother Mike and my mom, and we had a newborn sister, Megan. We uh, had been invited to come to a get-together of moms at a park nearby us in Indianapolis. And this wasn't like a little park with like little playground. This is like a big like state park type of park. I had a big forest uh, in it. At least it felt very big to me, as you'll find out here in a second. Um, but we were about five, and some of, we were amongst the youngest kids. There was a lot of older kids there. And the older kids wanted to go out into the woods. There was some little trails that you could go back on. 
And my mom remembers this. I felt bad even asking her about this because she remembers this story very like as a sad testimony to her as a mom. But I remember it as a, a powerful memory of her love for me. But this is what happened. She, the older kids are wanting to go out into the woods and me and my brother are wanting to go with them. And she's having a gut check, like, I don't know if I should let them do this. They're only five. Uh, and we are not like Boy Scout kids. Like we are like city slicker. I have no idea what we're doing in the woods. Couldn't read a compass if we had it. Like that type of, of kids. Um, and I still couldn't. But uh, we, we go into the woods. My mom lets us. We go out into the woods. And as we go back into these trails, the older kids, as often older kids will do, uh, they just stopped paying attention to us younger kids. They, got, they were doing games and going on all these side trails and doing fun stuff, uh, and they uh, just almost forgot about us. And, and we start going on all these paths, and we are deep into the woods, and me and my brother start to realize we don't know where in the world we are. Like, and there's kids around, and we're, but we're these shy, timid kids who won't call out, and we're just getting freaked out. Like, what are we going to do? Uh, I was grateful to have him, at least, but uh, there... To add a layer to the story, this was right by a military base, like a fort, Fort Benjamin Harrison in Indianapolis, and there was like military stuff, I promise you, back in that woods, like abandoned stuff. Like I remember a tank, I don't know if that's true or not, but I thought it was at least maybe like an old abandoned vehicle back in there, and me and my brother just like adding layers, like oh my goodness, we're in big trouble here, uh, we cannot get out. Um, and I just remember feeling desperate and hopeless, like what is it going to happen? us. And this is how I remember it. I remember my mom uh, coming down a path. This is probably the embellished part, but like coming down a path towards us into the woods, like with the light behind her, like a <laughs> halo over her head. And just like me and my brother just feeling this absolute sense of relief. Like, oh, thank God, literally. Like that mom came and sought us out. Because if, if she would not, uh, we would have been in there a long time. Because I don't think those kids were going to be uh, looking out for us. Uh, but it was, to me, it was a, a memory that was powerful and lodged in my memory, maybe embellished, of a mom who, when I was lost, quite literally, came and found me, uh, who took initiative, who was concerned for me and didn't just leave me to, to figure it out myself, but came to rescue me and to, to bring me back to safety. And so I'm grateful for my mom. I trust that you are grateful uh, for your mom. But I, I tell that story because it, in the large part, reminded me of this story that Jesus told uh, that we're going to read together today, this parable of the lost sheep, a shepherd who went out to seek and to save the sheep that was lost. And so I'm going to read this for you. It's just a few verses long. It starts in verse 10 and goes to 14, and then we'll read it, and then we'll go back through and try to see why Jesus was telling it, what point he was trying to make, and then what relevance it has for us today uh, in our different situations. So I'll read this through verses 10 to 14 of Matthew chapter 18. It says this. This is Jesus talking. He said, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. What do you think? And this is when he tells the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So I want to, uh, us to see what Jesus was trying to say and then what God may have to speak and say to us through this text 
this morning. So these stories, we've been going through parables the last couple weeks. Stories that Jesus told that were fictional, but that are intended to make a point. And Jesus didn't tell these stories just to entertain and tell some story about shepherds and sheep because he liked animals. And when I, He was trying to make a point. He was trying to convey something about his kingdom. And you can kind of get a, a glimpse before he actually tells the story. You get a little bit of a hint of why he's even telling it. Like, what's the point of it? Like, if you look at verse 10... He gives this command. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. That's how he's entering into the subject. Hey, don't despise one of these little ones. And so uh, who are the little ones that he's talking about? It would be very tempting and easy on Mother's Day to just say, he's talking about kids. That kids, kids, kids. This is all about kids. Uh, but when Jesus, he, Jesus could have said children here, but he said little ones on purpose. And little ones, it's a bigger category that would include kids in that, like the young, the small, the, the children, maybe even adolescents would be within that category. But when he says little ones, he means a bigger group. That it's people who, uh, that people would be tempted at least to see as small, to see people as being weak or being vulnerable, people who didn't have power. Uh, who were powerless or who were uh, kept aside in society, like they were put on the margins and the fringes of society that nobody paid attention to them. That's the category Jesus is saying, don't despise those people, whether they're kids or whether they're adults or teenagers or a different ethnicity or a different gender, whether it's the sick, the, the weak, do not despise them, these little ones. And when he says don't despise, if you don't feel like a seething anger in your heart, you're not off the hook with this passage. When he says don't despise them. He's not saying just don't feel this rage. It's this more subtle temptation that we feel as people to ignore. Like to look down upon a person. To say, I'm not going to pay attention to them. I'm going to look right past them. I'm going I'm to uh, not pay attention to them, not take them seriously because of these certain traits about them. Whether it's literally because they're little or whether it's because they can't offer me anything good in return or not. I don't see them as a reward for my investment, or I don't see them like getting me more friends, or getting me more uh, power. Uh, there is a temptation that comes up within our hearts to look past people, to look down upon people. And Jesus is addressing that with this story. He says, do not do that. Like, do not look past people. Don't look down upon people, those who are smaller, that you are tempted to view as small. And Jesus, right before he tells the story, the end of verse 10, he starts to, before he tells it, he starts to, like, try to help us as humans see that there's a bigger reality going on in our world. Like, when we look at a child, or we look at somebody of a different gender, or ethnicity, or economic status, when we look at them, it's tempting just to think of me and that person, and how do we compare with one another, or what can they give me, or how do they advance me. But Jesus, no, before he tells the story, he says something very interesting. He says, the end of verse 10 about these little ones, he says, I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. That is a very, very interesting statement that I don't have time to totally unpack. But this is a verse that when people have this idea of guardian angels, when they have this idea that kids have their own special angel, this would be a text that they point to. And I don't think it's saying that exactly. He doesn't say every, he's not even talking about just about kids. He's talking about little ones. But he is saying that those people in general, he, called, he says they're angels. There is, in 
Jesus is trying to help us see, and these disciples as he was teaching them, see a reality that is bigger than just me and my fellow humans, me and this kid, or me and this teenager, or me and this person who's, that I'm tempted to look down on as small. He is saying that there are angels that are given some sense, I can't explain that, but a special responsibility to care for these little ones. And he says that they, think about this, if God has entrusted angels, angelic beings, to care for these people, who are you to look past them? Like, who are you to ignore them? Who are you to just think they are insignificant and not worthy of your time and not worthy of your attention? He is saying there are angels that God's entrusted to, to care for these people. You ought to see them with value as well. And so that, that's the setup. That's the, what prompts the story. And then Jesus tells this story to drive that point home. Like, stop looking past people. Stop looking past them. And so he tells this story, and you're probably familiar with it, but unless, if you're not, I'll just recap it. What it it's verses 12 through 13, he tells the story. And side note, if you notice, if you're a very detail-oriented person, you notice there is no verse 11 in here. That is not a typo in your Bible. I could talk to you more about that, but I just didn't want you to think, like, oh, I caught a mistake in the Bible. Like, that, there, there's actually a reason to that. I could explain that. But uh, when we get to verse 12, we see the story. We see what the, it's a make-believe story, okay? But Jesus is going to tell this story. And he starts by asking a question first. At verse 12, he says, what do you think? And then he tells the story. And Jesus would do this often. It's kind of like a setup of sorts. Like he, He's going to like open up a world to them. He's going to open up this make-believe world where there's going to be characters and people doing stuff. And he's going to get the people who are listening, and hopefully us today, to think about that world. Think about that story and, and what's happening in it and how people are, are acting in it. And then he's going to try to say, see what you see there? Now think about this in the real world. Think about this about real people. And so he's trying to get them to think about this fake world to see something about the real world. And so this is a common thing Jesus does. So the story he tells goes like this. It's real short, real simple. He imagines that there is a shepherd who has about 100 sheep. That would have been a fairly normal size. I don't know the first thing about shepherding, okay? But in that day and age, from what I can tell, that was a normal size uh, to have, about 100 sheep. But he imagines that one of those sheep, not five, not three, not 25, one of them has gone astray, he says. And we don't need to know why. We don't need to know all the details of how that sheep got astray. But there's one that has left. There's one that is away from the rest. And then Jesus asks the question again. Did you notice that? He says, doesn't he leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And the question, it's, it's like begging, an, it's like a rhetorical question, if you kids know what that is, where he's asking a question and they know that what the answer is that he's asking. And the answer that he's expecting is, yes, he goes and finds that sheep. Like when people are listening to the story, their, their heart response, knowing how shepherds lived and that they would have been, yeah, like he, he may, and we don't have all these details, but he would have found some way quickly to ensure the safety of the 99. And then he goes and searches. He goes to find that sheep, to rescue it from whatever danger it has gotten into as it has gone astray. And he, he imagines the shepherd going and doing that. And then verse 13, he says that if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. And you can imagine this, that there's a shepherd who loves this sheep enough to go look for it and to, to, to go through the fields or the rocks or whatever it is that he needed to do 
to go and find this sheep that if he actually finds it, you could imagine the joy that would come over his heart, the, the joy that would fill his heart. You, you could imagine if you want, like how my mom probably felt when she saw me and my brother in the woods. Like that would give a, a small little taste of that. Or if you've ever been babysitting a kid and they go lost, or if you're at a store with a kid or a grandkid and all of a sudden, oh no, little Jimmy is totally gone and I have no idea where in the world he went. Like, it's not that you just leave all the other kids in danger and like go peruse the store. Like, you figure out a way real quick to keep them safe and then you go and find them. And if, if and when you find them, there's this joy that comes over your heart. There's this gladness that comes over your heart. And it, it's not so much that this one is like more special than the others, but when my mom is coming down that path, I, I remember her this way too, because I love my mom. I remember her like holding my little baby sister in her arms. That probably didn't actually happen, but she loved my sister the same way she loved me and my brother, right? But in that moment, if you were to ask her subjectively, where is your joy level of having this baby or finding your son? Her joy 